JB Knowledge Podcast Network. On episode 60 of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about digitizing shipping insurance for SMBs with Kyle Harkness from UPS Capital. InsureTech Geek Podcast powered by JB Knowledge is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be doing interviews and deep dives into specific tech we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Rob, I am. Uh, I'm in your home state, man. It's uh, it is uh, summer studio time up here on the shores of Lake Michigan, and I tell you what, it is glorious weather up here. And uh, no, uh, nobody telling us to 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 like load shed and reduce power and all that stuff. Uh, what's going What's going on in Texas? Are you Are you actually able to run your air conditioning? We are. We got to turn it up right when you want it the most. So we got the fans going and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and thankfully, we've got a nice pool in the backyard that feels like a bathtub these days but it, it it helps but yeah the summer heat is upon us for sure oh my goodness well come, you need to come on up here and hang out with me buddy it's uh it is it is definitively michigan time when it gets hot and muggy down in texas uh it is uh it, it is a is a good bit cooler up here and uh it was down in the 60s yesterday man it's time for you to get on up here that's crazy that's crazy yeah it's <laughs> uh it's been a while so uh definitely yeah. need to have to go back to the home state soon yeah Time, time, time to rock and roll. And with us today, from another hot and muggy port part of the country, uh, from the, from from the beautiful area of Atlanta, Georgia. I have to say that for all my Texans because when you say Atlanta, they go Atlanta, Texas. No, Atlanta, Georgia, the Atlanta. Kyle Harkness with UPS Capital. Kyle, thank you for joining us today on the show. James, Rob, thanks for having me. Glad to have you. And we're going to talk all about shipping insurance, how you guys have digitized it, what you've done at UPS. That's the UPS, by the way, like, you know, Big Brown, the shipping company that delivers so many things to your front door, the the company that has become a pivotal part of American society <laughs> for the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gracious. We're going to talk all about that in just a minute. Remember that uh, before we start with our interview, don't forget you can subscribe to the InsureTech Geek Podcast by texting "geek out" to six six eight six six. That's "geek out" to six six eight six six. Make sure you never miss an episode. So back to Kyle Hartness from UPS Capital. Kyle, uh, we're going to talk about UPS Capital. We're going to talk about digitizing shipping insurance. Before that, we're going to talk about you. Uh, you went to Boston University, ninety five, ninety nine. You're and then you went over to get your MBA uh, marketing at Georgia State, and you've actually been with UPS a very long time. Uh, you were there as an account executive right out of college uh, in 99, and then got into pricing strategist, retail marketing strategist, forecasting and business planning director, director of revenue management. I mean, you were over at Asia Pacific. Uh, then you got into marketing director for United Kingdom, Ireland, Nordic countries. I mean, you have done the rounds at UPS, brother. Um, yeah. Let's yeah. before before run. we talk before we talk about your last twenty two years with UPS. Let's talk about where where were you born and raised, and what did you envision doing when you were a kiddo? Yeah, Bay Bay Area guy, so Northern California. Um, back then, it was like 
there was a bit of a rivalry between Northern California and Southern California. I think they're much more friendly now, but you would always, you wouldn't just say California. You'd say Northern California, but yeah, born and raised there. And you know what? My, I just, I just loved Indiana Jones. So I was going to be an archeologist mm. and, um, and that was my thing. And then later at, at, you know, you said, you said I went to Boston university. I just got so far into philosophy and I loved it. And then about a year before graduation, something clicked and said, just think about something, maybe, maybe look at some other little options. So I studied a couple business classes um, and ended up coming out of undergrad and going right into UPS. And as you said, started out in sales. So kind of a long shot from being an archeologist, but I think it turned out okay. Yeah, absolutely. I actually was obsessed with archaeology, too. I think it's because all of us grew up with the Indy Jones movies and uh, the young Indiana Jones TV series on TV. And archaeology was super fun and cool. I even went to uh, Kauai uh, and there that's where part of the Indiana Jones movies were filmed. And of course, that was immediately what I was connected to. (laughs) I I even took archaeology classes when I was in high school. I went I grew up in Baton Rouge. I went down the the street to Louisiana State University during the summer and took archaeology classes and uh, took geology classes Lovely. in college. I mean, I, I I really dug it. Oh, that's a bad pun. I really dug it. It was a lot of fun. I, I ended up in Boston for an internship in uh, summer of 99, summer of 2000, somewhere around there. I was in Boston and... Cambridge had a had a wicked awesome time there. Yeah, uh, it was cool. But but you 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 dove in at UPS. Did you envision that you would you would make your entire career there, or was it just a a first move for you? Yeah, I don't. I wasn't thinking about any of that. You know, I was just just out of college and just really really happy to have a job. And it was again, it was in the Bay Area, and it was crazy. Then this was like think about you know ninety nine. It's like the dot com bubble is frothing. And, you know, it's just the economy is going mad. And it was just great to have a job and be part of that. Being in sales and account executive in that part of the country at that time was was fantastic. So I got totally caught up in that. Wasn't thinking long term about a career. And uh, and then things just kind of went, went went their own directions. Got a couple of great opportunities with UPS. Uh, continued to say yes. Not sure. I'll give it a shot. Sounds great. Thanks for the opportunity. And, um, you know, 22 years later, probably haven't worked in maybe 20, 25 different countries for UPS at, in different capacities and in different stints. It's just been fantastic. So, you know, Indiana Jones, the thing that I loved about him is he was all over the world and I got to do that with UPS. So it's, it's, I think it was, it was kind of lucky that way. Where were you during the Asia Pacific work? I was out of Singapore. Yeah. Uh, that, that was my address. If you, if you talk to the family, I wasn't there much, but that was, that was kind of fun. Um, we had, had a responsibility for everything, you know, as far north as, uh, you know, China and Beijing down through Hong Kong, uh, all the, the kind of bigger Asian markets, Taiwan, Japan, South Korea, and then also lucky enough to have, I mean, just the, the, all the span Southeast Asia down to Australia. And we were, I was specifically looking at, you know, revenue management strategies and kind of how do we optimize, uh, some of the revenue streams we were making out of that very, very high growth and high intensity trade area. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's obviously a, a massive, massive amount of trade <laughs> with, with Asia in particular within the United States and Asia. Singapore is a, a huge shipping hub. One of my really good friends from college ended up being, being there uh, after the Navy ended up uh, running some shipyards where they would tear down the, all those uh, cargo vessels and, 
and re- refit yeah. him and uh, do do these overhauls. And it was a pretty pretty awesome stint. He loved living there. And Singapore is a pretty fascinating place. I have I have never met somebody who's lived in Singapore that when they left wasn't like depressed for at least a few weeks. I mean, it is just such an amazing place for anybody for you know, a solo, single individual business person for a family person, a wife, a husband, a kid. It's just fantastic. It's just works for everybody. It's great. Yeah, they have a good F1, <clears throat> F1 race there, if I remember correctly, yeah, too. Sure. That's uh, pretty, pretty That's right. awesome. The night race. Yeah. Yeah, the night race. That's one of my favorites. It's at night on the city streets, and it's uh, it, it's trippy. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge, I love F1, and that's a uh, that's one of my favorite races. So what do you yeah. do now at UPS? Like, what does UPS Capital do, and what do you do for it? Yeah, so I'm the head of marketing for UPS Capital. So UPS Capital is a fully owned subsidiary of UPS. Um, about just over 20 years, we've been, we've been a kind of uh, functioning entity of UPS. We've kind of gone a couple different directions over that two decades or so. We had a real big concentration in when we started out around financial services, trade credit, uh, some asset-based lending. The whole vision, the whole focus um, was to stimulate and kind of enable smaller, medium businesses who were you know, kind of less able to tap into the, the kind of institutional financial flows around trade. And we could provide them lending and uh, we being UPS. And when we stimulated that trade with those business and, and their export market opportunities, UPS would step in and handle the logistics. So it was, it was, a, it was something that we did. Um, and grew. And uh, just over the last really couple years and getting very intense in the last year, we've kind of moved the focus from that and are really at UPS Capital now singularly focused on insurance and really serving uh, SMBs. And just just because I'm going to say that a few times throughout uh, our, our discussion here, SMBs is what, what I'm saying that is mostly, you know, small and medium businesses would be kind of the textbook definition. But think about companies, you know, uh, maybe 50 million a turnover and less and all the way down to, I mean, micro businesses. These could be businesses who just started up a web shop like yesterday. And we're really focused, you know, again, just on the insurance solution um, for those businesses as it relates to the, their supply chain needs. That's awesome. Yeah. And to me, why, why this is so cool to have a conversation about is I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a history nerd. And, uh, you know, the origins of insurance are in shipping, right? These are forgivable loans that uh, the Babylonians would write uh, or, the, you know, they, wow. would, they would provide uh, financing for, uh, for a shipment. And uh, you could pay an extra premium and then the, the loan would be forgivable if the ship went down. So, you know, the, the origins of insurance are in shipping. It's kind of cool because you guys provide lending as well. I know that's not, not a major part, but you, you, you have all the same components the Babylonians did. <laughs> so you, you could say... Oh. You, <laughs> I've not drawn that parallel yet. <laughs> oh, but I'm drawing it for you. Um, you know, there, there, there's, there, you're, you're really at the roots of insurance there. Um, and, uh, but you, you're doing this in a, in a very different way than they did, right? Let's just walk me through what this really is because you've worked in a lot of different segments of the business Mm. walk me through what it actually means to y'all to to digitize this process because ups has been in business for quite some time this is insurance is not a new product offering uh how has digitizing insurance really transformed that business what does that mean to ups yeah no, it's, 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 a good, it's a good question, James. So just to define, let's, to your point, like, what would your, your question? Um, 
if you think about this SMB sitting there in the supply chain and, and the entire insurance proposition from them, right? The entire like experience of like contemplating purchasing uh, insurance all the way through like transacting, buying the insurance, whether transactionally or via policy through the claims process, the entire experience we've digitized. So when you think about from a marketing perspective, how we could find businesses who may need insurance, where that's, that's a need for them, to how we activate them, target them, to how they, again, how they transact with us, a whole kind of um, end-to-end claims experience. So getting out of this analog kind of idea of the insurance policy flowing and an insurance claim flowing through faxes, phone calls. We've digitized that and SMB can now just simply use online tools, submit a claim and the entire claim experience all the way to the point of payment is fully digitized. It's producing really favorable customer outcomes. And and I want to get into a couple of those, James, because what it's really enabled is a much broader level of accessibility to actually procure and buy insurance for all these SMBs, many of which just, it was never accessible to them. If they knew about insurance, they weren't big enough to get a policy. They couldn't attract the attention of a broker or they couldn't attract the attention of an agent. If they could, they may not have, the economic model may not have worked to make it a desirable policy. And then even if they got that, maybe they didn't know how to manage it. Maybe it took too much working capital, you know, to sign the policy, pay up front for the quarter or for the year. And this digitization process has enabled us to kind of serve up an insurance uh, proposition to literally tens of thousands, if not more, of businesses who just otherwise wouldn't have had access. Yeah, to so this. big part of it is getting access to a product that uh, that many have not really had access to and then making it easy for them to access it, right? I mean, that's – in fact, that seems to be a fairly common theme in InsureTech as a whole is – is expanding the market. I mean, you're, you're we're, you know, literally, InsureTech is literally expanding the total addressable market by saying, hey, there's a whole bunch of people who aren't buying insurance who probably should, who should probably mitigate their risk, but it's just been too complicated or too lengthy or inaccessible to them. That's right. That's right. And then, you know, so so then you make it accessible and that's that's a three or four year investment cycle on our part, which which we've we have closed out. And I think the offering is there and it's ready to scale exponentially. Uh, through digital, you know, through digital channels. But then we've got an awareness, we've got an awareness gap, right? Because as insurance has never really been accessible to these SMBs, they really don't see the fit, or many of them don't see the fit of how insurance actually could help them, could help them compete, could help them become more successful. So, you know, as a marketer, and I'll just sit here and tell you, like, you know, we've, we've, we've created the accessibility. We can do it economically, and I think in a way that's affordable for SMBs, but, you know, we, we, we do research, we do voice of customer research, we've we, we closed out a survey recently, and we, we know that more than half of SMBs that, again, think about that 50, 10 million and less in, in revenue, just aren't aware of the multiple benefits of insurance. They're not. So, but when you make them aware, just say two or three benefits, you know, they'll rank those benefits as very high impact to their business and really, and, and really kind of drive interest in, in how insurance can help their business. Awesome. Rob? Yeah, Kyle, I'm really uh, fascinated um, by this uh, concept of UPS, right? The the global shipping company with tons of expertise. I remember getting excited when the brown van would come down my street uh, as a kid growing up and into today, right? How we seems like something always getting delivered to our doorstep uh, each and, and every day. 
um, the two guys are, are in the insurance space. And particularly, you talk about the small and mid-sized market. And uh, there's been a lot of innovation kind of focused on this uh, segment in the past few years. And to your point, you know, it's been a challenging one that agents and brokers, it, it costs them quite a bit of money to kind of acquire and service this business. And they don't necessarily make um, the return in terms of the commissions uh, that a traditional carrier would would pay. And so there's a lot of folks trying to bring down the cost floor um, from your typical, say, 30 to 40% expense ratio uh, to bring down those costs to be able to offer kind of new products and, and services to this group. Um, and I know that UPS Capital, one of the, the phrases you guys uh, use and, and um, focus on is democratization of insurance. And I think you've kind of described that, but would love for you to maybe give a, a case study or two that really help give our audience um, some tangible examples of how you guys are enabling uh, this group of business owners. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, let's just talk about like accessibility and, and like making it really easy because even when you talk about digital kind of serving up digital offerings for an SMB just starting out, like what does that really even mean? Right. So, but we found many SMBs going to something like a Shopify, right. To start their business. So we built an app, we built an app. And when you launch that app automatically, you know, with the right kind of promotion for the app, you've got a million plus SMBs who can access affordable insurance. I think that's a real tangible example of like bringing bringing insurance in a in a way that actually like makes sense to an SMB in the platforms they're already using. You, you know, part of this other thing though is is getting the SMB to kind of change the mindset in terms of the value of insurance away from just being this kind of risk hedge against this catastrophic or these big supply chain disruptions, because that seems very abstract um, to many SMBs who are just starting out and they're shipping, they're shipping the things that they make and the things that they love. But that catastrophic event, uh, it's too abstract for them to connect like working capital that's so scarce for them. Um, so we've got to, you know, when we talk about democratizing it, we have to actually like bring it in a value proposition that makes them want to buy it and see the value. And I think a great kind of real life example of that is how an SMB, right, who can't, who doesn't have the working capital to say, for instance, like stock excess inventory for when a shipment goes wrong, you know, um, it's lost or it's stolen or it's damaged. And by the way, we see the frequencies of that, you know, occurring more often and SMBs we talk to tell us indeed uh, lost damaged stolen shipments are increasing and it's costing them more and more. But, you know, to the extent that insurance can kind of come in and help them say, not have to have additional working capital tied up in, you know, holding additional inventory that they can ship to somebody, you know, when a shipment goes wrong, or this is one where, you know, if you or I, Rob or James, you know, we're consumers, we shop on bigretail.com, we call up, something goes wrong, they've got a CRM technology sitting there in the background that right away says, Rob's a great customer, he's bought from us X times in Y period of time, we think his, his lifetime value is Y, just ship him something right away, you know, we're going to make him happy. And that, that's that consumer experience that actually you and I and James have come to expect. We really value that. Now, put, your, put yourself in an SMB. I'm shipping maybe 50, 100 packages a week. I've just started out. Rob, you call in. Okay, I don't have CRM technology. I don't know what you're worth, right? I, I can't say, is Rob going to buy from me again? Should I really ship him something? Um, 
Uh, and if I do, how should I ship it? At what speed should I ship it? I know it's, I know this loss, this sale is going to become a loss for me. And they go through this whole process. Meanwhile, Rob, you don't like the experience. You give them a bad reputation. You don't go back to that SMB. And what we're trying to show and the, 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 the SMB is that just ensuring that shipment for like something like a percent of the value of the retail sale, they can right away, they'll see, yep, that shipment was insured. I can just ship it right away. I don't need to know Rob's value to me necessarily. Um, I can just ship him that good. It's covered. I get my claim paid in four days or less. I get my working capital back. I can get that off to Rob. You have a great experience. You place me as a retailer online in the same level that you've just kind of thought of these big retailers who've spent billions of dollars investing in that experience, and you've done it for 1% of your of your retail value and that's what insurance can actually provide an smb so we're democratizing really the value of insurance and what it can actually do for millions of shippers by bringing you know a different proposition than just risk mitigation in the supply chain yeah cal i think that's a great example and uh, you know i think about all the the shipments of uh my book that i've sent out over the past two years and um, there's certainly been times i know shipping you know 20 25 books to Bogota, Colombia, and it didn't arrive. And it's trying to figure out, you know, where mm. is it? And, you know, is it going to get there? Or is it not going to get there? And uh, you also mentioned small businesses. And I know the power of uh, online reviews, um, especially early on as you're establishing your business. Boy, you get one negative review and it can really just kill you, right? So it's it's critical that um, your earliest customers in particular, right, leave you positive reviews. And obviously, um, other people are going to see that. Algorithms are going to pick it up and put you in front of new customers more often. So um, it, it all makes sense. And I think that's a, a great example. James? Yeah, let's... Um, yeah. You've, you've obviously been working on a lot of stuff for the last couple of years to, just uh, in particular, to streamline the the purchasing process, correct? Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So what, what, what would you say the biggest game changer was that really had a big impact on the user experience? Yeah, I think um, it goes back to accessibility in terms of embedding the ability to procure the insurance at a transactional level in the SMB's kind of workflow, right? So think about like, you know, if we did all of this, this full digitization, but then basically said, but you still, you have to, you know, you're going to give us a bunch of information. Sure, you can submit it to us digitally, and then we're going to send you a policy. And then you're going to pay us for this policy, and we're going to kind of like watch the policy, and you'll report claims. And if you would have done that, it would have been basically taking the old analog kind of insurance proposition and just kind of putting a digital wrapper around it. I think the most, and and, and really SMBs tell us this, valuable part of the digitization is that we can bring the insurance solution and proposition into the actual transactional workflow of an SMBs. So as I'm selling on, you know, Kyle's t-shirts.com, I can procure a UPS capital insurance solution that just sits there in, in really in my checkout and that I can select at a shipment level you know, again, for a percent, a dollar, two dollars, depending on you know value of the shipment and the and the, the insurance offering, at an at a shipment level, and just pay as you go, pay as you go, and that that kind of being liberated from the working capital requirements of policies, and have it sit there, you know, in a Shopify, in an API API type format, natively integrated into my web shop, I think is is soup is is probably the game changer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because you're. You're uh, you're cutting the number of steps down by over half, 
reducing the amount of time uh, you, you know it's 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 just like when you're when you're purchasing a trip and you're getting offered trip insurance you weren't thinking about trip insurance you should probably get it if it's a big trip you know for for good reason and and something was mentioned earlier maybe it was either by Rob or by you are we really seeing a rise of of complications with shipping uh, whether it's whether it's you know theft or or uh, weather or issues that are causing issues that really justify uh, insurance for shipping yes and I mean I think you know a lot of what you could hear would be like anecdotal and, you know, we challenge the anecdotal and look for a source of truth all the time. Um, we do have a tremendous amount of carrier information, you know, if you think about data, but what was most really like meaningful to us was just to go to businesses and ask them, like, do you see an increase in, in loss, damage and theft? And, and is it really impacting you or are you just making it part of your business? You're just kind of building it into the model. Um, so we did close uh, a pretty big project. Uh, again, just a study of almost a thousand SMBs who've had something go wrong. Actually, it turns out more than half of the SMBs we looked at. So out of a, a sample of almost 2,000, about a thousand of them said, "Yeah, um, I've had a shipment go wrong, and not only that, I've had to I've had to file an insurance claim on it." And here's to go back to your question, James. Out of that 60 percent, because that's that's kind of the trend, but the magnitude said. 81% of them said it's an increase over historic levels, right? So you're getting a, a very significant majority of, of businesses telling us, you know, it's, it's, it's increasing and like, and, and just not surprising. It kind of follows the dots, but over 80% of those 60% of, you know, businesses that said I've got claims, it has a negative impact on their business. It, it drops to the bottom line. It drops to the top line. You know, it's not just part of like, Hey, I'm, I'm I'm getting into e-commerce, B2B, B2C. It I'm going to just deal with this and live with this. It's, it's, you know, SMBs are telling us it's not that. It's actually hitting the bottom line. So I think, so these solutions around insurance, you can serve it to them and show it helps offset. It's, um, it's, it's a tangible benefit. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, I mean, certainly it's disconcerting that this is becoming a bigger and bigger problem, but volumes are going through the roof. E-commerce is going through the roof. COVID was the giant accelerator for this, and it looks like it's here to stay. And so we have to we have to deal with it. We have to mitigate against risk that uh, comes up in business. Rob? Yeah, it's funny you asked that, uh, James, and you mentioned that, uh, Kyle, think about a recent example where, you know, again, we get shipments probably practically every day um, at the doorstep. And you know, we don't sign for them anymore, right? It used to be mm -hmm. that the UPS man would kind of, you know, or woman would wait and you'd get out there and you'd sign their pad and they'd, you know, hand you the the, the, the gift or not. But just, you know, the volume of transactions. And I'm thankful I don't have to be home to sign for, for shipments anymore just because we get so many of them. But, you know, we did have one instance. Um, fortunately, most of them have been just fine left in the front door. But one where um, the package was like totally ripped open. It was actually kind of in our neighbor's yard, just kind of strewn about. And it was just some some betting. It's like, I don't know if the thieves were thinking it was a, a new computer system or something. And they were, you know, sorely disappointed that it was just some, some betting. So it ended up being kind of covered in some plastic and it was fine to kind of use, but yeah, it was just a total mess. And, you know, we get along with our neighbors. We knew it wasn't them. So we have no idea like who did that or what they were expecting or, or looking for, but that's an example where obviously, you know, it could have been stolen or or potentially damaged. So, um, Kyle, I'm interested, obviously, UPS, uh, intimately familiar with transportation and logistics, closely aligned with the explosion of, of e-commerce over the past three decades. You mentioned um, kind of being in the, the Bay Area um, for the for the dot-com boom in the late 90s. 
Um, how does all this expertise that you have um, at UPS translate uh, to UPS Capital from an insurance perspective? And um, more precisely, can you leverage shipping data to provide insight to SMBs on risk and exposure? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, and yes. And I think, you know, I'll go back to the UPS experience because um, it's very much connected into what we're doing at, at Capital right now. You know, we, we we say we're serving SMBs, right? And what you know, I've worked, again, in a number of countries in a number of markets. And increasingly over time, my attention has gone to SMBs. And I think, again, regardless of the market, it's not, it's never that simple, right? But simplicity and accessibility and affordability are just what matters to SMBs. And we found that at UPS. It also matters very much now that you can serve it to them digitally. So that simplicity, affordability, accessibility, and digital access is very much in um, the grain of what we're doing at UPS Capital. Um, on the data side, absolutely. And Rob, like to go back to your experience on um, you know, the package kind of potential theft, right? So look, you're looking at a porch. It's not you, it's not your package, but say you're just looking at a, at a porch and it's empty. There's no package on it, right? It looks the same to you as if that, if that package was stolen or if maybe it was fraud, right? Maybe it was, God forbid, the constantly fraudulently reports it's stolen, but the package is off the porch, right? You, if that's the retailer, if you're the retailer who sold it to this person and they're taking a picture of the porch, you don't know what that, you don't know if that's theft or you don't know if it's fraud. With data, right, it looks very different to us. For instance, that empty porch, right, if it's, if it's uh, theft or fraud. So we can serve up information back to businesses and just and say, you know, hey, this is an area you may want to send multiple shipment notifications to your customers just to let them know that it's coming. You know, it's coming to you. We may say, hey, um, in these areas, you may want to just kind of also give them an option to ship uh, the goods to, uh, you know, an alternate delivery location, like an access point or something like that. Because you might say, hey, we think it's a more secure delivery there rather than leaving it on your porch. Um so, so, I mean, porch piracy is a real issue. You know, that same group of SMBs we talked to said, you know, 40% of them have seen an increase in, in porch piracy. So it is a real, real interest, but we do think it can be helped managed um, over time through, through really smart kind of BI. Yeah, that's fascinating. I love that term, porch piracy. Don't like it that it happens, but uh, I love that term. It kind of validates it. We've all experienced this. So, James? Yeah, so what's next? Let's talk about the future. Uh, you've made substantial improvements to embedding this insurance product in third-party websites. You're covering shipments that UPS makes as well as other shipments, right? You've expanded coverage. You're covering more people. You're, you're embedding it. You're embedding the product. You're making it digital so they, they don't have to you know get on the phone and call somebody and run through a lengthy uh, process there. Uh, what's the next step? Like, what, What's the big picture stuff you're working on now that you think is really going to push uh, shipping insurance forward in the future? I mean, James, I, I think, you know, that kind of product development perspective and like continual like cycle enhancements is always in the business. But we have to go back to the fact that there's a huge awareness issue. And I'm just, there are, you, you guys talked about this mega trend of e-commerce growth, right? That's just like putting all this wind in the sails of all these companies who are in e-commerce. Granted, there are other mega trends which are not as favorable to many businesses. But if you just talk about, you know, that kind of explosion of growth, you know, we just can't let that be one-sided. It can't just be the big retail, the big high tech, the big IM who wins that. We've got to give SMBs and level that playing field for them. And there's millions of them out there who are going up against 
and going for a customer like you and me who have a very clear perception of what I expect in customer experience when I buy online. And this is B2B and B2C, right? And we've got to get a higher adoption rate of SMBs who can leverage an insurance, this product that we have, to help them compete, help them capture more share of that of that growth. I mean, we just see a, we see a huge kind of, uh, you know, runway of opportunity there and just getting deeper, deeper penetration into that growing SMB market out there. And, and digital distribution, we think, is really, really important. So you, you talk about what's next. I mean, this, this digital distribution, getting in, we talked about Shopify. There's more, there's more platforms, right? And they're changing every day. So how do you have a product that can be developed fluidly to sync and be integratable into platforms that are changing every day. That is a massive challenge for our IT and solutions and, you know, businesses. And we're solving that bit every day. So I think, you know, we've got a real kind of clear vision on what the future is in a five-year view, but we think that really concentrating on bringing the solution to the, to the market that needs it now and is not aware is, is, is the challenge we're looking at. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's a good, good perspective on that. Rob. Yeah, just one final thought, Kyle. Uh, you mentioned kind of the purchasing insurance from a transactional point of view, right, for each shipment. And I think about my 11-year-old daughter who uh, has been busily working in her summer uh, time weeks off here on uh, – she wants to make dog treats and ship them to people. And uh, so I think about somebody like her, and you know, I don't know if her business is going to take off or, or, or not, but certainly – having that ability to ensure each package of dog treats that she sends out and, and buying at a per transaction basis. I, I see that makes sense for, for her as kind of a small uh, startup, but I'm just curious, you know, is, is this something you've seen more demand or, or does that flip at some point uh, based on the size of the enterprise to, to want to pay that annual uh, premium to have a little bit more cost certainty or do people like the fact that, Hey, yes, costs go up as I ship more, but obviously I'm going to get more revenue. So it's kind of aligning expenses with revenues. Yeah, I, I think so. And Rob, like when I talked about that SMB value proposition and really, really focusing on serving them, you know, we know, I mean, we, we have our own customers, quite frankly, are, who are huge enterprise level customers and they do prefer a policy. They do prefer, you know, there's just specific catering and tailoring of that policy to their very complex business and very complex supply chain. Everything you think about, right, in that underwriting process, the value, you know, the spectrum of values and all that. And I think there's always going to be that market um, for for that policy, that policy structure. We we just see not only, you know, kind of an opportunity to, cre again, create awareness amongst existing business, but we see a tremendous amount of growth of new businesses coming coming up, right, in, in the, probably in the size and with the capabilities that, that make that transactional insurance a little bit more attractive to them. Yeah, I think having that flexibility is really key. And I love the fact that you can just kind of grow, right? As those businesses grow, you can grow with their their needs. Awesome. Well, we, we, uh, we do have to call time here and move on, uh, but I do really appreciate it. And, uh, and Rob, I know you've got some news for us today. Yeah, just one news item this week, uh, James and Kyle, um, this came out uh, that Tractable AI, which is a computer vision firm based in the UK, raised a, a Series D round of $60 million that puts their valuation north of a billion. So 
this is actually the fifth European insure tax since March to achieve unicorn status. So uh, it kind of goes with the theme that we've been talking about um, all spring on this podcast of uh, seeing the rise of a European insure tax to go along with certainly what we've seen here on the uh, America side. And, and obviously we've seen you know places in Israel, uh, folks in, in Asia, Latin America and others raise up. So uh, anyway, just a, another European InsureTech have an amazing success. Congrats to the folks at Tractable. Yeah, that's, of course, good for uh, early stage funding for other startups and uh, hopefully for their exits uh, as they as they move to the exit. Of course, the equity market's taking a pretty giant uh, dip today. Uh, as predicted, uh, you know, interest rates, surprise, surprise, impact the stock market. And uh, with inflation on an absolute tear right now, the Federal Reserve has announced that they'll be doing something about it sooner than expected. They're saying in 2022, of course, uh, just uh, my personal opinion is it needs to happen right now uh, before they push the entire country into a into a recession. Um, you know, inflation is is absolutely uh, uh, hellacious uh, <laughs> right now, and so uh, Americans aren't used to high inflation, and we at the of course, uh, I've been operating in two countries where inflation reigns supreme, Argentina and South Africa, and so you always have to pay attention to it. Uh, but inflation is a real thing and must be dealt with. And, of course, the uh, Federal Reserve is, is taking action, which, uh, which is going to push uh, money out of the, uh, the public equity markets, which will most likely impact exits and funding at some point. So it's always important to remember that when you're looking at these funding announcements. Uh, it'll also impact insurance company returns because if it's easier for them to make money on their money outside the equity markets, uh, I would look for the uh, large institutional uh, investors to uh, to you know if, if they can make a, a two or three percent or four percent outside the equity markets, they will they will do it, <laughs> and uh, and so it'll, it'll it'll impact returns, it'll impact um, uh, the P and L statements of a lot of major carriers. So just keep an eye on that. Always good to know what's going on in the public equity markets. Um, I uh, really enjoyed our conversation with you, Kyle, and it's really interesting to see what UPS, this very, very large company that all of us depend on so much, what they're doing to democratize uh, insurance, for, in particular for SMBs, a market I'm really passionate about, serving small to medium businesses. And uh, so, Kyle, thanks for uh, everything you're doing there at, uh, at UPS to, to make uh, this critical product more accessible to the masses. Yeah, great. Thanks, James. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate it. Really appreciate the opportunity to come on here and, and just chat. It was nice. Awesome. And uh, and Rob, always good to see you. I enjoy sweating it to the oldies down there in, uh, in San Antonio. When you're ready to have a cool break, uh, come on home, buddy. <laughs> well, we're headed down to Corpus for the weekend uh, here. So uh, not quite the same Ooh. as the Georgia State Aquarium, but they've got uh, <laughs> the Texas State Aquarium. And uh, my son's got a basketball tournament. So we'll probably find our way into the Gulf of Mexico, but slightly warmer temps than Lake Michigan, I'm guessing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's a bathtub down there right now. And there is a tropical storm. So for those of you who have uh, storm exposure in the insurance space, there is a tropical storm headed right for Louisiana. So we are at the beginning of hurricane season at the end of June, and uh, they are already upon us. So keep an eye on what's going on with storm activity because that will definitely impact a lot of our property carriers and what their uh, what their plans are. So uh, it, it doesn't look like it's headed towards Corpus Christi. So I think you're okay for the weekend. But uh, thanks, Rob. I always appreciate it. And thank you out in listener land for joining us. This has uh, been the InsureTech Geek Podcast, but powered by JV Knowledge, JVKnowledge.com, all about 
about technology, it's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham, jamesbenham.com, with co-host Rob Galbraith, endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenlee, our podcast producer, and Kara Daltonara, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next time. Mm-hmm.